Good evening, friends and family, and welcome to a Safe Space Radio on Radio Free Brooklyn. I am Francis Hall. With me tonight, Richard Pryor Jr. Woohoo! Calvin is also with us. <laughs> but he's going to be in and out. Uh, you want to say hello, Calvin, and talk a bit about what's going on? Uh, hope everybody's doing well. I am actually in Delaware right now. I'm uh, in my dad's house. I've got my, my sisters and my stepmom here. Uh, we're... Uh, we're trying to uh, take care of as much business as we can uh, uh, throughout the weekend, but at the same time, we're enjoying each other's company. Um, my sister uh, works for a company that makes like really cool, um, uh, really cool like um, environmentally friendly fire pits and uh, and camping stoves and things like that. And we're actually outside testing one of those uh, camp stoves right now. Like it basically turns uh, fire and heat into electricity. So the 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 this camp stove basically uh, powers itself using the heat, and it turns on a fan to like fan the uh, flames of the of the embers. And we're we're cooking steaks on this camp stove right now. Um, I'm actually on the second floor of this house, and I can smell the uh, the smoke and the steak from here. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, Delaware, for those folks who didn't realize it, is actually a state. It is much to much to much to the much to the surprise of many people, including myself. <laughs> I remember when my dad first uh, got this house. We were like, "Wait, what the hell is Delaware?" <laughs> well, Delaware is indeed a state. It's pretty nice down here. Okay. Um, much different, uh, much different life from, say, New York. Much quieter. I'm surrounded by grass and farmland, and it's not bad. Well, good. I'm glad you're you're making the best of a difficult situation. Yeah. Uh, me and uh, Richard. Well, before the show, we were discussing. Oh, by the way, I got to say this part. If it is May 15th, 2021, Saturday, you are listening live. I got that wrong last week. <laughs> I said, if it is May 9th, and it was May 8th. Like, ah. This is my way of letting people know whether they're listening live or something went wrong and we had to do a repeat. And I got that thing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so close enough. Were, so we were talking about how uh, when you lose a parent, it does bring siblings closer together. Richard, do you want to talk a little bit on that? Well, I think that, you know, it's because uh, I've lost both my parents, my mother 2003 and my father 2005. I think the thing with my 2005 when my dad died, we were all together, but we weren't together. It was like, not even just because of the things that Jennifer did, Jennifer, who was my dad's quote unquote wife, you know, uh, she actually, uh, was very good at manipulating us and keeping us separated and all this kind of stuff. So when everything happened, she was mad at my sister, Elizabeth and rain. And we noticed that like when we had the car to go to the funeral home and all this stuff, they weren't in the same vehicle as I was and my other siblings. Um, when we got into the, the like chapel thing for the ceremony 
the family and kids sat on one side, and then she had Elizabeth Rain sitting in their own seat on the other side. It was just wow. crazy. So we, you know, did the funeral and all that kind of stuff like that, and didn't really talk a whole lot because we were all all over the country. But my sister, my sister Rain and I just started talking after that, and started talking a lot more as adults versus kids, you know. And it was a lot of things that changed so much and how somebody came in and manipulated the whole situation with our father and all that stuff. And it kind of brought us closer together. We just started talking and talking where we're like, I mean, it's, yeah, it's like crazy. It's like we've been living together our whole lives. And it took for, you know, my dad to pass away in order to bring it together for us to realize it, that we're all we have. Right. That, that's what, that's actually what <clears throat> uh, me and my sisters are, are beginning to realize right now. And like one thing I've been like really thinking about and just kind of like really, maybe not so much agonizing over, but just realizing this, like uh, the time that I've missed, that I've missed a lot of time with my sisters, especially my sister who lives one neighborhood away from me. And she has a little girl who's three now. I missed all, like, basically a year and a half of spending time with my sister and my niece. And it it really, like, it really hurts to think about, like, of course, COVID was a thing last year. But at the very least, I, I could have at least done a better job, like, keeping in touch and, like, doing FaceTime and things like that. And so now, like, now that now that we, we find ourselves in this situation, like, we've we found ourselves really leaning on each other for support and uh, this, um, trying our best to be there for each other. And we're, we're, in, we're in our dad's house and we're as... As sad as we are that he's not in it with us, we're we're enjoying each other's company, um, feeling like um, overgrown children, like <laughs> standing around this camp stove, uh, being absolutely intrigued by it while while uh, having a beer. <laughs> so uh, it's we're we're making the best of it, and it's, we're. Uh, we're 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 doing okay. Uh, can, I ask, of, oh, can I ask? Can I ask? How's your how's your how's your stepmom doing? Uh, stepmom's doing okay. Um, I I call her my stepmom. Um, my dad and her were never married, but they were together for like close to three decades. Oh, so, um, they un- unfortunately they had uh, they had split up um, some time ago, but they still very much loved each other. So, wow. um, uh, stepmom, stepmom been, uh, been, been, it's been difficult. She's had a tough year as my sisters cause their older brother passed away in, in February. Oh Lord. So, yeah. This, this yeah. year is, this year has not been, uh, been fun for my family. Um, their brother passed away in February, um, two weeks after my dad passed away. My older brother from my mom, his father passed away as well. So, 
Um, we've we've really really been going through it, but we're we're doing our best to to keep our heads up here and just uh, stay as strong as we can. <laughs> That's good. He has a typical black family. <laughs> <laughs> Got a different daddy, different mama. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 how it be sometimes, but hey. <laughs> there, there are there are you know, yeah, it, deep inside we're all the same, but there are some differences. I remember the first time I ate chicken with Richard, and <laughs> do you remember this, Richard? Can I talk about you must have left meat on the bone or something? Probably exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Listen, man, that is that is a cardinal sin in black families. Do not leave any meat on the bone. <laughs> hey, listen, man, I I don't even leave the ends on the bones. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, I, Richards was Richards was picked absolutely clean, and I mean, you know, I leave the leave the the stuff on the ends, and then a little bit of this over here, and this thing over here. It's just like, like it was. It's like you didn't finish your chicken. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's to be what fair, it is. you did not finish your chicken. I mean, to be fair, you didn't finish your chicken. <laughs> <laughs> and now I do finish my chicken, and I notice it with my family. <laughs> do you, do you do you give them a friendly reminder that they haven't finished their chicken? I haven't yet, but I think I'm going to start to. Yes. <laughs> it is very important that you finish your chicken. <laughs> <laughs> and also, here's another food difference. Richard didn't really know what salmon was before me. He thought well, it was I, that... Sh- am I right? I, yeah, no, I knew what salmon was. To you, it was that shit that came out of a can. <laughs> I, no, I knew that, but that's the way I'd always had it for the majority of the time was, mm. you know, you know, fried, uh, you know, the fried salmon patties. Yep. The salmon cakes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And then I made you the real deal. Yeah. Mm. That and the pesto. What's that? That and your pesto. Oh, yes. Ooh. Yes, indeed. Nice. Yep. Beautiful. Yeah, when we were dating, I did most of the cooking and Richard did most of the organizing. It worked. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I got a thing with organizing. Yeah. It's like your spices are alphabetical. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, me, my spices are organized by... Freak, most frequently used by at least frequently used. <laughs> yeah. That's a good way to. Right. Yeah, the ones that you don't use that much are all in the back. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I know there are some hardships, but there is a, a kind of a joyful feeling starting around at least my neighborhood. Uh, it's really feeling like this pandemic is, is ending. Uh, there, the mask regulations have been relaxed for fully vaccinated people. Mm-hmm. Also, marking the beginning of that, there's going to be a whole <coughs> vaxxed and unvaxxed. 
actually, that's already started. There are things that, that vaxxed people can do that unvaxxed cannot. Yes. <laughs> it's going to be a mess. And that's kind of, you know, we saw it coming, but it's weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, the weather's feeling good, and people are, are uh, you know, we're, we're doing stuff again. Yeah. Yeah. I knew we were there when I started seeing the white dudes outside in their shorts when it was still cold, but we're getting there. I get that. <laughs> it was turning again. <laughs> Like that's a that is definitely a strong indicator. Like, see people out th- out there uh, jogging in their shorts, as opposed to them jogging in <clears throat> excuse me, uh, jogging in the tights. It just it just kind of yeah. it almost feels like that. Uh, like almost like almost akin to like seeing the leaves starting to blossom. It's like oh, things are starting to change. <laughs> things are starting to change. I was thinking about something recently. Now, you've done some comedy yourself, Richard. And I was thinking about, you know, rock and roll, rock people, they got their groupies. And comedy people, they got their groupies. But the comedy groupies are kind of different than the rock groupies. And I'll I'll give you some examples. Okay. This is interesting. Rock groupies, huge breasts. Comedy groupies, huge teeth. (laughs) rock groupies perfect ass comedy groupies perfect attendance in home economics class rock groupies will give you a blowjob comedy groupies will give you a job wow Rock groupies will flash their tits. Comedy groupies will blow their dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got two more for you. Rock groupies will give you a ride in their new Porsche. Comedy groupies will give you a ride to the airport. <laughs> Rock groupies, wet t shirt. Comedy groupies, wet the bed. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm visualizing, totally visualizing. Yes. All right, guys. I should have saved huge teeth for the end. (laughs) That's the big one. (laughs) That's the closer. You have to go, Calvin. Yep, I'm gonna have to run. But okay, I'll be, so I'll be listening in to make sure everything automatically good. at eight. Or are you going to come back to shut things down? Uh, the uh, uh, the stream will shut down at eight. Uh, Skype will still remain open, but uh, I will I will check in. Okay. All right. Uh, much love to you and your family. Thank you. Thank you. Take care, guys. So last day of being fifty-five. Last year I did the show on my birthday. This year it is the day before my birthday. And uh, uh, you know what? I had a goal, Richard, uh, and, and it came to be uh, a month before I turned 54. I said I want to be fit as fuck at 
55. It was a whole hell of a lot of work. So new new year, new goal. My new goal is going to be to uh, be a working actor. And, yeah. and I know, you know, I was trying to figure out how can I do that and be a, a, a full-time caregiver. I can't because the, the hours on set are just too long. So I'm going to have to ask my family to step up. You know, when I get roles, when I have a when I have a shoot day, someone's gonna stay with mom. That's 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 the plan. That's good. It's really really good. Yeah, I mean, I've I've done, I've been in entertainment in some form or other for most of my life, but the only thing I ever really 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 super wanted to do is be is is act and. Uh, and I want to do it. I want to make a living at it, a real living, not just you know a commercial here, a commercial there. Um, yeah, yeah. Bits and pieces. Yeah, I totally get it. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know the business. It's it's hard to. It's very hard to make a living, but you know it was also very hard to get in shape. So I'm gonna figure this shit out. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. What are what are your uh, what do you have your your sights set on for? Well, my 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 really big thing. I know that the the play that I was doing it. They're trying to get on Broadway. Um, the interrupted journey, the one about the Betty and Barney Hill, the interracial couple that saw aliens and they were recorded by their psychiatrist and all this stuff. No, no, no. Tell me more about this. I don't think I heard about this. Yeah, it's it's a it's it's a play called The Interrupted Journey, and it's three characters in the play. There's Betty and Barney Hill, who are the interracial couple, and the psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist is the actual. They're actually the play, and the film rights that they have for this are actually, um, actual recordings from the psychiatrist when he hypnotized Betty and Barney Hill separately. And they told practically the same story about the duck. So this is based on a true story, and the dialogue is from the recordings of the psychiatrist? Recordings, and he was on uh, the old show To Tell the Truth, uh, Barney Hill was. And they were so concerned about, you know, losing their jobs because he worked for the Postal Service, and she had some kind of, kind of like a government job or something like that within the state or something like that. So they were kind of scared to, you know, he was really apprehensive about people finding out about it to affect their income and their jobs. So the play that we're doing, when I did the first reading I did that I had done when they brought me on was with Shirley MacLaine's daughter was playing my wife. And so we did really, really good. That reading went really well. And then we did the second reading, and she just went somewhere in that head that's just like her mother's somewhere. And she was so into me acting that she was, like, trying to emulate what I would do on stage, like when my character went from point A to point Z, like in a matter of seconds. She was trying to mimic everything I did to make it happen, and it didn't work. Right. She got these weird laughs that she would do on stage, and 
then people were like laughing like it was a comedy. And then some people started leaving the reading and all this shit. Crazy. So when it came back the second half, I opened it and killed it. And then they don't want her anymore. Shirley McLean's daughter anymore. So then they got some other actress that's going to do that's done some. Her mother's done Broadway. She's done some off Broadway and stuff like that to, to bring it to Broadway, an actual play with me playing, doing the lead. That's a that's a great goal, and it, and it looks very uh, yeah doable. Then the TV series. So tell us about the TV series again. Series is a series written by Robin K. Miller, and she wrote a book about the underbelly of the Rikers, you know, officer, the guards, and all that kind of stuff. So she wrote a show that's called the DOC Department of Corrections, and it's about the officers and the investigators versus the prisoners. And it's basically seeing the evil and what the correction officers are doing that nobody knows what's going on. And so it's bringing that to light. And I'm playing one of the inspectors trying to figure out the, one of the murders on it. So just waiting on that to, you know. I've been out of the game for so long, but I. It seems to me that with all of this new stuff these days, uh, I'm counting. This is how long I've been out. I'm counting Netflix's new, uh, <laughs> uh, Amazon Prime, uh, oh, Paramount yeah. Plus. You know, there it, there just seems to be so many more platforms and so many more studios opening up. Uh, I'm I'm guessing there's more opportunities for actors, but am I wrong? I would think there would be, but our industry has a way of constantly recycling the same actors and actresses true every true if it's a if it's a um, a music musical film adaptation uh, jennifer hudson if it's this you know it's this person it's you know like what's her name playing um uh tom cruise nicole kidman how she's now doing you know lucille ball I mean, it's kind of like the, that, you know, and you have so many people that are like extremely talented. That's why I tell people don't get into the business for the money, because if you're doing it for that, you've already set yourself up for failure. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a party that has to love. I do. Which I do. And, and, I, and I absolutely love acting. But this time I am I am setting my sights on making a living. And, and I know that I know that. Uh, advice that Robert Downey Jr. gave me. He said, learn to love rejection. And I never did. I never learned that. But this year, I, I'm going to accept that. You know, it means going to every single audition that I can. And that means I'm going to be rejected a lot. So I better fucking learn to love it. Oh, that was a tough one for me, too. I remember yeah. all the auditions I did for Broadway musicals and all the Audition I did for like TV shows, Law and Orders, and all. The, even knowing one of the directors who directed my dad, and still didn't get the part. Mm -hmm. So I totally understand it. I learned how to go into an audition, and once you step out of the audition, you forget about it. Because I didn't know I do that before. I was worried about every audition, and I would sit there after, and 
you know, and want to know what happens. And I had to learn to let that go because it was crushing me. Everything, even though you want the part and everything, but it was like it was starting to choke the vine. I'm finally going to get uh, the Stanislavski uh, books. An actor prepares uh, building a character and creating a role. I, uh, for some reason, that that wasn't covered in my college, my theater degree in college, and it absolutely should have been. So that's that's going to be another interesting part of it. Oh, that's have you cool. have you studied any of that method no. acting? Yeah, I have. Well, I, I went to Lee Strasberg. Okay. So the one in LA, um, yeah, you are the tree. <laughs> you come one with the branch. You, yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of like that though. When I perform or stuff, I like to, I like to stay in character. I don't like the back and forth. If I have to, I prefer to be left alone. Uh-huh. Yeah, because sometimes you have to come out of it, you know. You know, meet somebody or I want you to meet, you know, and do all that. But sometimes it's just good to just stay there. I actually freaked myself out when I was doing that play, Interrupt the Journey, because when we did the reading where I was really good in it, I'm on stage doing it. And I'm like, Richard, you're up here fucking crying. <laughs> this is, you know what I mean? just quickly popped into my head, you know, out of character. Richard, you're fucking crying on stage. I remember Jim Carrey uh, talking about Man in the Moon, and what was, who did he play? Uh, was, it was, it was, it was, he was Latka on Taxi. Oh, yeah. Andy. Name. Andy, thank you. Uh, and, uh, he claims, and the people that that knew knew Andy claimed that he really did become Andy. That he 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 was, and I'm blanking on the last name too. Well, it doesn't matter. Anyone who knows who I'm talking about knows who I'm talking about. And uh, and he had, uh, I think, a, a son or something that hadn't seen Andy in forever come and visit him on the set so he could visit with Andy. What? Now, part of me feels like this is amazing. This can happen to actors. And part of me feels like, oh, that's bullshit. Uh, yeah. What, what part of that makes you feel like it would be bullshit, even though all the positivity you see about it, was that one thing that it didn't answer, didn't say that Caught you to say, oh, it's bullshit. Uh, you know what the first thing that came into my mind was? What? Jealousy. Because <laughs> uh, I honestly didn't know what, what where I was came, coming from, where, where I was like, oh, that's bullshit. I think it's jealousy. That could be. Oh, wow. Could be. Yep. Wow. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool you could answer that because that's not an easy question, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do like talking about the craft, though. 
Yeah. You always sweat above your lip. I do. <laughs> I do. It's like those certain things you remember about people, you know? Certain little things. Where they sweat? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you look really, really, really healthy, though. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. That's. I love your face is full. I love that. They work. It's work. Yeah. Hard, hard work. Five days a week. Can't believe I stuck to it. Yeah. When I started, I, I was like, okay, I haven't done this in a long time. I'm going to start with 10 push-ups. I know I can do 10. I could barely do 10. I could barely do 10. So I said, okay, this is not about what I can't I can't do. This is about what I can do, and I can do eight. So I just scaled it back. I started with eight push-ups and eight sit-ups. And now every day it's 50 push-ups a day and 50 this, 25 that, 50 this. 50, and, you know, I just kept building on it and building on it and and doing it every day and it was took so much to get my to get me to motivate each time you know i'd i'd, I'd, I'd take anything i could that could get me. sometimes i would like i would i would i would watch porn and i'd say that could be you fucking <laughs> start exercising <you> bastard <laughs> whatever it took now it's habit you know now it's uh i get up at seven and it starts it you know it, it's habit and it's and do to help myself out because I've lost a lot of weight. And What's that? I'm like I got a question because I've lost a lot of weight. So, um, I mean, you know, from I mean, a lot, you know, considering you know, from like my biggest two forty to now, I now one seventy six. And that was you know, purposefully through mainly yeah, walking about ten miles a day. I was walking. Walking and you know, I average eight miles a day walking, just walking. So, I mean, I want to know how to tighten it up. I've lost everything, so but how do I, how do I tighten that up? Oh, I can help you with that. I can definitely help you with that because that's what I did, and we're we're similar in age. And nothing out there that tells you really how to do it at your age. I, I started. I, I was like, uh, when I started studying this. Um, I, I specifically was searching for, you know, getting fit for older guys. And I'd see things like, okay, now start by just swinging your arms. Go ahead, swing your arms. Swing. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm not going to swing my arms. I want to get fucking... I want to muscle. I want to fucking swing my arms. So the the basic thing is uh, that... that Again, it's it's not about what you can't do. It's about what you can do and then building on that. And just a lot of the basics are are are, are tried and true. You know, push-ups are tried and true. Uh, squats, sit-ups, crunches, and get yourself a couple of eight-pound weights. That's the only thing I invested in. Actually, I already had them. I have I haven't spent I haven't walked into a gym. I haven't spent any money on any equipment. Uh, the only thing I use is my body, my floor, and two eight-pound weights. And, uh, and doing it five days a week, taking off Sundays and Mondays. And then also, like, you're, you're a performer, you're an actor, and and uh, 
it does you, depending on what roles you want to go for you there are different body types for the different types of roles you want to go for um but think of it as a job as part of your job right and so five days a week you can take sick days you can take personal days you can take vacation days uh and and think of it that way uh at least that's what i did and give me one second while i do this you are listening to a safe space radio on radio free brooklyn radio free brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we really could use your help and support and anything you give us will be tax deductible to the fullest extent of the law you can help us out by going to radio free brooklyn dot org slash donate and that'll talk you through it you can do a one-time donation or a recurring donation you can give as little as a dollar a buck maybe a buck a month for six months six bucks it's a beer buy us a beer (coughs) excuse me um form is more important than repetition for your workout doing five proper push-ups is better than 10 where your butt's all up in the air yeah and i haven't been doing these but pull-ups and chin-ups uh i don't know what i got up to when i stopped doing them I stopped doing them during a heat wave, and then I also started thinking, I don't want to put my fucking hands on these things because other people are putting their hands on it. But I'm going to start that again. And look, when I started, I could not do one. I could not do one pull-up. But I could do a half of one. So that's what I concentrated on. And I would say, okay, now I'm going out for my half a pull-up. And I didn't feel bad about that. And no one should feel bad about that. They're very hard. Do a half. Squats are great for the legs and the butt. Yeah, I need a black boy booty. You need what? A black boy booty. (laughs) (laughs) But you look fantastic. Uh... And, and great for you for, you know, for shaping up with all of that walking. It's it's that's to absolutely to be applauded. Yeah, thank you, sir. And, and um, yeah, by all means, take it to the next level if you want tips from me. Call, text anytime. Because uh, I, I I did something. I did a thing. So uh, now that uh, there. This pandemic is starting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My second goal. Okay. My first goal is to become a working actor. And my second goal is to have sex with someone named Brittany or Brittany. Brittany or Brittany. (laughs) (laughs) They're always hot for some reason. Oh, that's hilarious. I can visualize all that, yeah. Even if they up talk, I don't care. Hey, Brittany. <laughs> don't care. Gotta be named Brittany. So, as things are starting to relax, I'm starting to think about the things that I'm going to continue doing for now. And uh, 
masks indoors. I'm going to continue with that, whether they're telling me I can or I can't. Whether they they say it's okay to take them off. Um, right now, supermarkets, shops that I go into, that I'm just going to keep doing. Going to continue with the more frequent and thorough hand washing. Yeah. And, and I'm going to be avoiding crowds, uh, especially indoors. How about you? Things that you you will continue to do. Uh, let you do right it. Now, even though I've walked around with my mask down a little bit, you know, because I wear one all day long at work where we have to. Um, I'm still going to wear mine. I'm still wearing mine. I'm not, I'm not at that place where I would feel, you know, cause I've had COVID three times. So how do you think I, that happened? I don't know because of the one thing, the atmosphere where I was working in the hospital and everybody was getting it. It was just going through the employees were just like, just coming down with it. It was like a ripple effect. Okay. Yep. And I kept, I would, the first time I got it in November, I was sick like two days before I was tested. I remember being sick and calling into work because I was doing a temporary work housekeeping at the hospital. So I'm doing that. So I'm like, I don't feel good. So I miss Monday and Tuesday and I go in on Wednesday back to work. And that's the test day. One of our testicles were tested twice a week, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and Sundays and Mondays. And so I took the test, worked, and got off work on Friday and came home from work. And they called me up on the phone. Uh, yeah, Rich, uh, you can't come to work for the next two weeks. You tested positive for COVID. And I'm like, what? Yeah, you have to call us every day at this number, report your temperature from the night before and your temperature now and any symptoms you're having. And then you'll also be contacted by the city. And then the city calls, and then they set up stuff for you, like bringing food to your house for you have for up for the whole whole week, and then the next week, and then they send you a care pack. How how is the food that they send you? Uh, you will do a little starving. I mean, damn, I was. I was... Some of this, like you look where it, it, the intention was there, you know, then it's just said when you're cooking for a mass quantities of people, flavor is one of the things that kind of goes out the door. Okay. Um, because you have to be able to feed this person without them having an effect from a particular spice. So then you're only using salt and pepper, you know, uh -huh. or something, you know, you're not using other things that you can use to enhance what you want to do. So, but you know that, and they sent gloves, they sent like the, you know, the disinfecting wipes, they, everything. And then they said also, we, if you don't have a place to go, if you need a safe place to go during this time, cause the second time I caught it, I couldn't stay where I was at. So I had to, they, they, they send a taxi for you to and from, you get to the hospital, it's not the hospital, but you get to the hotel and they, you know, make sure you don't have anything in your bags or whatever and stuff like that. And then they take you up what to your you room. Mean? Like what? Uh, do you have any weapon or anything like that, you know, that you're not supposed to have? Do you have your, uh, what's this? Is this a hair? Are you going to do some heroin up in here or something? You know what I mean? They kind of check for stuff like that. 
And then, like, for smoking, because hotels, you can't smoke in hotels. So they're checking to make sure if you have cigarettes and everything, you could have them, but you only go out certain times of the day. You can only leave your room certain times. And that's during your break. Like, if you want a break to go out on the roof or something like that, you could do that. But they were only, like, at, you know, 9 in the morning, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, 6 p.m. and 10 p.m. was the last time you could do it. I would cut a bitch. Other than that, you would, you know, they'd open the door up and you're they're doing your temperature and you're putting your finger on the, you know, the oxygen thing on your finger and you're checking that twice a day and then they deliver your meals to your room. And that's two weeks. And this, that's a long, it's a long. And to go through that three fucking times. Yeah. You think it's over? It's done for you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't want you to be one of those people with the vaccine that still gets it again. I know. Don't let it happen. I am that person. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be that person, Richie. (laughs) What I am, am going to do that I used to do is... It. I'm gonna be doing it. <laughs> hey, I don't know what it is, but okay. Doing it. <laughs> doing it. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh man. <laughs> oh, this is interesting. Okay. Um who uh who do you feel helped you through this year and who has helped you through life? Ooh. I had a group of friends that really stepped up. I had a, a friend, uh, Marty Millet, who her and her husband Michael Garen and everything. They don't live too far. They live like going towards the east side of towards the FDR up here in Harlem. And she like, you know, went to the pharmacy for me and bought me like electrolyte, powder electrolyte and all this kind of stuff. And she'd come up to the apartment thing and ring the buzzer to my door and everything and leave it there. And I opened the door with the mask and wave at her and thank her and all this stuff. And I had another friend, Kevin. He bought me like, you know, cereal and all this kind of stuff that I would need. My uh, friend Denise Span Morgan, um, you know, sent me stuff from Amazon shopping, you know, and stuff like that. My friend Anika Brown in uh, Palm Springs, California, sent me food and uh, vitamins and all the stuff I need. My friends Tony Seawright and Sean here that live here in Brooklyn and in the city, they brought me like, Bags and bags and bags. I'm serious of like fruit, lemons, all these kind of things that I need, like onions and all this stuff to make my breathing thing that I would do like every couple hours on the clock. And it was like all this stuff and I would open you up and all this stuff. I've been told another friend of mine, his mom got tested positive. She was having trouble. She did it. And she like the next day she felt fine. 
And so I was like doing all this kind of stuff and the vitamins here and the agave and all this stuff that people see me. And then my friend Kimberly um, uh, uh, Shinewald, uh, used to be Yabera, her and her husband, Alan and stuff, they sent me like a care package and stuff like that. And, you know, people just really stepped up and helped out, and, which was surprising because I'm not used to people doing stuff like that. So you're more the doer. Yeah, yeah. So it was very, you know, different to be able to accept that. That's a lot of people helped you out. Yeah. That that is really good to hear. Yeah, it was really nice. And you remember how the city was here? You know, you you'd pick up something, a paper or whatever, and it was somebody you knew or somebody who knew them, knew them, that you would see these faces and stuff and knowing these people at the beginning, it was like they were dropping like flies and you were knowing so many people. And it was like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been an absolutely, the whole world has been turned upside down. It's a crazy, crazy year. Here's another thing that I just read about. Um, uh, just as as another effect of this crazy year, uh, the Pride March is excluding the NYPD and hiring private security. I know. That is huge. I know that is huge. Because the NYPD's always been a part of that parade. Not always in the friendliest way. No. Certainly not in the beginning. For those of you who don't know, uh, the Pride March started uh, as uh, as a commemoration of Stonewall riots. The Stonewall riots, there was a bar, it still is a bar in Greenwich Village called the Stonewall. And, uh, and it was run by mafia folks. And the patrons were, were gay, lesbian, trans folks and the police would fairly routinely fuck with the patrons and one day they just the patrons just said enough and there was a standoff between the police and the patrons and uh and um and it was uh it was it was a a very tense but also liberating time and then every year the the pride march is commemorating that as the beginning of the gay rights movement and uh and the police were initially hostile because it's celebrating them fighting the police and Mm. over time became civil and eventually you had the goal the gay officers uh I don't know what the AL stands for, but the gay officers who who joined the parade. Um, goal, those officers do feel uh, do feel kind of disrespected by this decision by the pride organizers. Um, I don't know if disrespected is the right word, so don't quote me on that. But uh, you know, given given the history of the overall conduct of the NYPD, I, I don't, I think if you can afford private security and they can with all the corporate sponsorships you have now, 
I think it's I think it's smart and and it sends a, it sends the right message. That is huge, man. Yeah. yeah. You know when will uh, when will Frank Serpico be considered a hero of the NYPD? When that happens, then 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 I say then maybe it's time for us to well, let them back it? in the parade. I don't what, know that story. Frank Serpico. Yeah. He uh, joined the force uh, late fifties, maybe early sixties, and. NYPD and it was corrupt as hell and uh, he you know, he refused to take money he refused to take part of the corruption he said look I'm not going to take money but you know and because he was not corrupt he was not trusted by his other police officers and so he started to report to his superior and nothing happened, and nothing happened, and nothing happened. Well, then he decided. Then he started to collect evidence, um, and he went eventually to the New York Times, and this led to the formation of the Knapp Commission. But before that happened, um, he was uh, he was set up uh, to he 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 was there. He was doing a, a thing where they were going to bust some, I think, heroin dealers. And he he knocks on the door, wedges himself in a little bit, gets shot. And his backup officers left the scene, left him to bleed out. An older neighbor called an ambulance, uh, called called for an ambulance, and that's what saved his life. Um, and there there's a there was a book about it, and then there there was also a movie starring Al Pacino as Frank Serpico. Um, what was that movie? Serpico. That was the name of the film. Yeah, I highly I recommend it. I remember that. Oh wow. Hmm. And yeah, uh, he was given the 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 highest honor a police officer can give. I forget what the name of the, of it is. Um, but there was no ceremony. It was just tossed to him, he said, like a pack of cigarettes. So he left the NYPD and um, he does he does come he does come back to testify when when uh, to lend his voice uh, when other people step forward and to encourage them and and to continue to cur- encourage for change in in the in, in the NYPD. Wow. Wow. Steve. Yes. Yeah, and the 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 apartment that he lived in the film is right on Manetta Lane, which is just a couple of blocks from here, and I have vague vague memories of them of them filming it, and I'm thinking about it now. You know that you had to have police presence on a movie set. What the fuck was that like? Oh yeah. Oh, that would be yeah. Wow. 
It's crazy. Are they there just to get that check? They're not watching nothing. Let do what you want to do. <laughs> Man. Yeah, then he was just the biggest rat. Uh, police hated him when he was in the hospital with the wound in his with the fucking bullet in his face. The fragments are still in his brain that they couldn't get out. They gave him constant headaches. They did the police were doing hourly bed checks just to fuck with him. Waking him up every hour. You all right? <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't like the word whistleblower. He likes the the term lamplighter. Lamplighter. I like that too. Yep. Yep. I remember someone had asked him you know, why'd you do it? You know, why did you come forward? Why did you put yourself at risk? He was the first, the very first NYPD officer to come forward to to the very first. And he said, he said, the reason I did it is because I, I, I thought about how I would feel when I listened to a piece of music. Ooh. Right? Yeah. That man's deep. That's that man deep. is fucking deep. Yeah. Wow. That's deep. Coming up at the end of this month, I don't have the exact date yet or the exact time, but I hopefully will when it gets closer. Do, do, do. It's either going to be on the uh, 28th or the 30th. I'm going to be performing live at the Lower Side Festival of the Arts at the Theater for the New City. You know that place. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's going to be indoor. I don't know if it's going to be outdoor. But uh, I'm planning on doing poetry this year with uh, Lucas doing uh, some interpretive dance. Oh, wow. Yeah, something I have not done before. Something I think that the people that attend these types of, that attend this event would, would appreciate. Right. I can't wait to meet Lucas and hear about this story about you know, relationship bonding and my book and all that. You've really dipped, you, you've had a, a big effect on him. You really have. He thinks he, the, 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 your book has, you, and that's what you want. That's what you're going for. You know, you want to, you want to touch people. I definitely, I called you up as soon as I had turned the last page and told you how it touched me. Want to talk a little bit about the book while we have a few minutes left? All right. Sure. What's that? Well, just your your how you would uh, describe it, and the title, and where people can get it, and all that stuff. Okay, it's um, called "In a Prior Life," and I know that you can order at the do the publisher BearManorMedia.com, 
or you can go on my uh, website in a prior life, uh, dot com there and they'll have you links to different places. I know Amazon, um, Barnes and Noble, things like that. You can actually purchase the book. And the book is about my life as a celebrity child. That's what it started. But it's more about somebody who's gone through a lot of crap in their life and done a lot of wrong and done a lot of wrong to people and people did wrong to you. How do you survive and come out of it? So glad I never cheated on you. (laughs) (laughs) Richard kicks some ass. That's funny because people always see me as this nice little quiet dude, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. When I read about the ass kickings, I was like, damn. Well, that was my first thought. Glad I never cheated. (laughs) (laughs) But it's excellent. Well written, um, honest, fascinating. Yeah, I I definitely wanted honest. I wanted like, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. If it made me look bad doing something I did it, I still want to tell the story. Because every story is a part of your journey, good and mm-hmm. bad. So I wanted it all in there. You know, I just but I just didn't want it like a woe is me, you know, whoa, you know, look what I've been through and things like that. You know, I wanted I wanted people to see themselves in there. Yes, yes. Yeah. Hi, Calvin. Hey, just wanted to uh, uh, do one last check. I've been uh, listening in while uh, while, uh, cooking some steaks downstairs with my uh, my folks. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Oh, good. Well, we have to wrap it up. We have less than a minute left. So, Calvin, thank you so very, very much for getting us out there on the air and for sharing the things that you share. Um, Richard, I called you an hour and a half before the show, and you, I couldn't, it couldn't just be me here sitting and talking the day before my birthday alone. (laughs) (laughs) So, thank you so much for that. Really appreciate, uh, especially, especially that it was you that came through for me. Uh, Folks at home, thank you all for turning, for tuning in. And uh, you have a wonderful evening and have a great tomorrow. Have a great weekend. Show some love to yourself. Show some love to those around you. It's so important and you know it is. We will be back again live next week, I hope. Good night, folks. Take care. Love ya.